0: The show starts in three, two, one. Welcome to the Voice of Two Legends. Today is April 8th and we have a special guest for you guys. We're bringing on high school teammate and local fireman Blake Gay to discuss the daily life of a firefighter and how he's been affected in the times of the corona. Our next episode will be released Friday, April 10th with our first music artist on the pod. Enjoy this episode.
1: So welcome to the pod, Blake. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. How are y'all? Doing pretty good, man. So uh, if you want to go ahead, uh, kind of give a brief description of yourself for those who don't know.
2: All right. Um, my name's Blake Gay. I'm 21, born and raised in Nashville. Played baseball my whole life. Played a year of college baseball. Life happens. I quit playing baseball after my freshman year. Finished my sophomore year off and then wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with life. Ended up becoming a firefighter and um coming up on two years of doing that and about to finish paramedic school so
1: hell yeah well uh good luck t- uh finishing that uh we'll go ahead and hop into a couple questions we ask everyone that comes on the pod uh so uh, first one uh what's your preferred method of beer you go in bottle draft uh can unnecessary consumption <laughs>
2: uh definitely bottle every bottle, time pretty sure. much. Yep.
1: What bottle of beer are you drinking? Um typically Miller
0: Lite. So. Yep. That's a new one, I think. I knew he was gonna say that. <laughs> Chorus has been uh the the guest favorite, I think if we tallied it up.
2: Yeah. Well that's because everybody can drink a bottle of water.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I've been saying too. All right, Blake, you're at the bar and you noticed uh that it's karaoke night. What song are you singing? That's
2: super tough. I actually probably should have thought about this question a little bit more Um, because I'm not a singer at all. Um, They actually forced us to uh, sing last Christmas uh, at the Firehawks. I worked on Christmas Day. And so all the people that were new to the department, we were like forced to do karaoke of a Christmas song. Shit, I can't even remember what it was that I sung, but it was rough, it was very rough, like, <laughs> super monotone, sweating. Yeah, um, so I would probably avoid the karaoke, but I don't know, uh, probably some type of country song, maybe I feel like that'd yeah. be the easiest to go with for sure. Maybe Wagon Wheel, I know the words to that pretty
0: well. Wagon Wheel is a common one, that's like one of the like karaoke ba- 101 basics, so. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite sport to watch, Blake, on TV?
2: Surprisingly, I don't do a ton of watching of sports unless it's, you know, playoffs or a specific game that I just know is, like, going to be high quality. But I would say it's probably a tie between Major League Baseball and college football.
0: No doubt. Uh, What's your favorite sports team? So either you can do Major League, college, whatever you want.
2: Uh, Boston Red Sox. And then um, I'm a pretty... Big UT and Florida State fan.
1: Yep, that you are. (laughs) So uh, everyone's got some nicknames, Blake. Uh, What are some that you've gone by over the past couple of years? So I know y'all probably know
2: both know me pretty well by Balake playing baseball. That's kind of what it always was. Um, Since I've gotten into the fire service, I've worked with like six other Blakes for whatever reason. Like I don't think I've known a Blake anywhere else in my life, but. I guess that they're just like firefighters are named Blake for some reason. <laughs> um, so I go by B-Gay a lot now. So
1: that's a new one. Um, yeah. I, n- I never heard that one.
2: Yeah. It's, I think it's, I mean, I like it. I think it's funny. So yeah. And it's pretty easy. Like if someone says, Hey, B-Gay, like I'm for sure I know that's me. So
1: <laughs> yep, that's true. So if you could have any superpower, Blake, what superpower would you choose?
2: Uh, I'd probably go with what's it called? When you can like read. Well, not read. I guess like I guess kind of know. That's what I was gonna say, but I I changed that. Okay. Like, know know like the answer to any like situation, like on demand, like.
1: Mega Quick.
2: Yeah, that I guess so. Yeah, I, like, I
1: think that's what they said. Very,
2: very cute. Like decision, like making based off like, and it I'm always a right type thing. think that'd be cool
0: so last question before we get into some you know specific questions about being a firefighter and what it takes if you could have a meal with any person dead or alive who would it be and why
2: i think it'd be cool to eat with uh dwayne johnson the rock
0: rock that's a that's a unique one that's a unique one
2: he seems like a pretty cool guy so either that or like tom hanks but i'd probably be scared that some bad shit was about to happen (laughs) (laughs)
0: all right blake we're gonna get into some questions kind of just uh about you and about being a firefighter what department are you in or i I guess be it's classified as departments right or yeah
2: yeah departments um so i work for the city of gallatin in tennessee okay and i'm part-time in ashton city tennessee as well
0: got you
1: And so what made you decide to become a firefighter exactly, Blake?
2: I've always just had a really, like, pretty passionate desire for um, helping people and big adrenaline junkie. Um, So growing up, I was always really into emergency medicine, um, police, things like that, Um, firefighting. I had no idea exactly what I wanted to do graduate in college I mean graduate in high school in my mind I was like either I'm playing college baseball but if that doesn't work then I'm joining the military um obviously like I said played college baseball so I never joined the military mm-hmm. um and then so once I was done with that I was pretty lost on what what I wanted to do I didn't really have a passion anymore um and so I just happened to submit a volunteer firefighter application online and Next thing I knew, I had a call from Ashton City asking about an interview like three months after that. And I've been head down running at it ever since. So,
1: and you, uh, I remember specifically, you used to love watching, uh, Chicago Fire, right?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, that's, I, I watch it whenever, uh, I have the time to keep up with it. I don't really. Watch a ton of TV shows, but that one's like pretty good. It's not realistic at all, but it's a good show.
0: (laughs) So, Blake, how long have you been with the Gallatin uh, Fire Department?
2: Um, I'm coming up on a year in May, and then Ashton City, I'll be at two years in May.
1: Okay. So, take us through like a normal work week, Uh, you know, anything from like, I guess before all of this craziness happened, before, you know, Convent 19 and everything, because I'm sure that's changed a lot of what you guys have had to do. Um, So, like, in terms of...
0: Like, hours. Yeah. Like, so, like, is it 24 on, like, 48 off? Or, like, how does that work?
2: So, yesterday was Sunday. Um, I was at work at 6 a.m. Shift technically starts at 7 a.m. So I was on shift from 7 a.m. Sunday morning until 7 a.m. this morning, uh, Monday. So uh, now I'm off until 7 a.m. Wednesday. So I have 24 hours on shift, 48 hours off shift.
0: Uh, how many people are on a normal shift for you? Like, I, I, like does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Uh, so we have in Gallatin, we have uh, five stations. At station one, you have a truck company and an engine company. Uh, that's on a fully staffed day. There's eight people at that station. Uh, and I'm bad at math. so I might want to write this shit down. Um, so you got eight people at station one station two, you got one, um, ladder company and there's on a fully staffed day, four people there. But right now one of those guys is deployed. So there's three. So 11. Yeah. And then station three, which is where I work. Um, we're an engine company, and there's four of us. And then Station Four, they're an engine company. There's four of them. Well, currently there's only three of them because one of them's on light duty. But like I said, fully staffed day, four of them. Um, station Five, you got a rescue company and an engine company, and there's four people on both those apparatus. So that's another eight people.
0: So how does that how does that work? Do you so are you assigned to a specific station like? I, like like i said i have no experience with being a firefighter at all but um are you ex- like could you be could you be assigned to a different station each shift
2: uh yeah you can for sure like like i said depending on uh staffing can dictate on how many people are on you know a specific company and by company i mean you know engine company truck company gotcha. rescue company all that stuff so like right now the engineer that i usually have on engine three at my station he he had a a hand injury um, that he got while working and uh so since he's on light duty uh me and the other firefighter at our station have been swapping from station three and then station one so like this last shift i was at my normal station at station three but next shift i'll be on engine one at station one and then we're just kind of like, I guess, swapping for the next four weeks until he's recovered. Um, and Gosh. then we'll be, you know, staffed like normal again. For sure. But I, yeah, like I said, yeah, I can pretty much work anywhere in the city, any shift, uh, just depending on what
1: the department needs. So what do you guys do to physically prepare for this? Uh, I know there's, there's a definitely a test, uh, obviously before, right?
2: Yeah, so to get hired anywhere, there's a very long and typically really competitive hiring process. Usually, you know, you submit your application um, and sometimes even that's like a very in-depth process. Like if you don't, if you leave one section blank, even if that section doesn't apply to you, you better put like N slash A. Otherwise, they'll just throw your application out because Hmm. you didn't like follow the instructions or whatever. Uh, not every department's that you know strict about it but some are for sure um so like you know you submit your application and then if your application meets the requirements the tests then usually you'll you'll do either most departments have you do a physical first but some of them have you do a written first but either way you you know your physical agility usually there's a time limit um and that uh, depending on how well you do in terms of how quickly you complete the course uh that kind of gives you um, points that will go towards a ranking. And then you do your written exam, and usually you have to make at least a 70 on it. Um, and the higher your score, the more points you get. And then they combine those points and you get put into a ranking. And then you have your first interview, usually. And then your interview, usually you get ranked in that. And so now they have a, a whole list of everybody that completed and passed everything from, you know, number one on the list to last on the list uh, based off the numbers
1: they pick from that. It sounds like essentially, I mean, to me, it sounds like, I mean, one, it's a hard recruiting process. Yeah. Uh, It sounds like you're essentially putting a team together, which I know you are, but it sounds like, all right, so this person did, uh, really well on the written exam then not as good as this person on the physical exam but they interviewed really well is does do they really take that into consideration as like they did better on this and that's what we need right now or is it more overall uh kind of thinking more long term i feel like i probably almost have to be careful how i reply to this but um
2: it's very typically very political which i mean As an adult, everything is political, no matter if you're trying to become a firefighter or get a corporate job somewhere. Like, you know, you you know, somebody, you got better chances, things like that. Um, Or, like, there's, you know, obviously specific quotas and stuff like that, that, you know, they want to hire this many females, this many males just to like make things look good on paper. So, like, obviously, those factors occur, but usually once those are met then they look at certifications and then you know weigh your certifications with the ranking so like the guy who is number one on the list has nothing at all but number five on the list is an emt well they're honestly probably going to go with the emt because that takes away some training that they have to give that person
0: yeah
2: um so like it's definitely weighed and is a big factor um i'd say the interview is pretty fairly important each department's different, though. Uh, depends on the size. The bigger department you get, I feel like the the harder – well, definitely the harder it is to get on, like, major cities. You know, they'll have a thousand to tens of thousands of people apply. Um, so, yeah, very competitive. Like, it's hard – I mean, it's hard for them to pick from a list like that. Like, they're definitely not just going one to a hundred, you know, and – picking those first top 100 they like kind of I don't know I'm I'm not really a part of a hiring process so (laughs) I I feel like
0: uh, I feel like the hiring process is completely different with this because you aren't just hiring someone to sit in the cubicle next to you you're hiring someone that you're going to work a 24-hour shift with I just feel like you have to look past you know whether this person is physically strong or mentally strong or what they know or what they don't know it has to go into you know can they handle being with the same person for 24 hours or can they handle oh, yeah, for staying sure. up for 24 hours? It, you know, being a fireman's not a cubicle job. It's not a nine to five. It's a unique career and it just, it's not, it's not the average interview. Um, Blake, Death. next question for you. Once the alarm goes off and you guys have a call, what's the typical response time between getting the call and the truck pulling out of the station?
2: So I know we have like a, policy i believe on it or a guideline uh, that specifically gives like a time i'm pretty sure it's during the day we're supposed to be out in 60 seconds from uh tone drop to pulling out of the station um dang and then at night time i believe it's 90 seconds so um, so do
0: you guys just kind of like stay in gear or like how much like of it, do you actually get ready in the truck on the way there? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, so like let's say, and like every shift is different for the most part, like we could have one or zero calls all shift, which that really doesn't happen too crazy often, but it does happen um, or we could run I mean seven, fifteen, I mean we could run the whole shift, uh, yeah. not spend any time at the station. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's happened before too. Uh, but if we are at the station, um, you know, we come in in the morning at 6 a.m., usually relieve the crew before us at around six thirty, six forty-five. 6.45, um, get all our gear set up how we want it. Um, we stage our turnout gear, what we wear into a fire. We stage it next to the apparatus so that we can get it on quickly. I'd say that I honestly think my engine company gets out and checks in route to you know, multi- multiple alarm calls, so, like, where multiple stations are toned out for one call. So, you know, like, gas leaks, structure fires, fire alarms, things like that, mm-hmm. um, car wrecks. Multiple companies are toned out for that one call, and my company kind of takes pride in the fact that we probably 95% of the time are the first check-in route because we're just quick about getting out of the station. That's impressive. So, like, you know, we're always in our station gear like you know our pants and job shirt all that stuff um so like a medical call we just throw our turnout gear in the rig and get out and go on a fire call me the other firefighter and our officer all get our bunker pants on and coat on radio all that stuff and then hop in the rig and the engineer will you know usually be have the rig running and ready to pull out by the time we're in our seats um And once we are kind of on the way, we throw on our air pack, which, you know, that's what we use to breathe inside of a fire. Mm -hmm. So we'll get that on, uh, get it all strapped on and everything, make sure our face mask is around our neck, just kind of make sure that we have everything we need um, so that whenever we hop out getting on scene, it's like straight to work. There's not really, you know, the only thing that we really have to do once we pull up on scene is throw our helmet on, which is right there with us when we get out uh because it's in the cab with us and then grab a tool or pull a hand line whatever it is that that call you know requires us to do
1: it's impressive man it's uh it seems like it would take me like 15 minutes to get out of the house <laughs> and hop over to fight a fire the building already burned down uh, so i'm glad <laughs> that you're doing it and not me
2: it's definitely uh, uh something they drill in you uh, yeah. whenever you're starting out so
1: yeah that's good sounds like it worked. <laughs> So, like, uh, with the the whole COVID-19 pandemic that's going on, uh, how has that affected uh, firefighters and EMTs? What precautions are you guys taking? Anything you could really give us on that? So,
2: um, obviously, we, you know, have, I mean, there's just about been a policy update and, you know, operating guidelines, like, updated just about every freaking day since this all started. Mm. Um, so like, I feel like there's definitely a little bit of confusion with it, but overall, now that it's been going on for a little bit, I think things are pretty well understood. But so like, you know, on a normal shift without uh, COVID nineteen going on, you know, we would go into you know, say somebody calls for chest pain or shortness of breath, because those are both very common medical calls. Like, you know, we show up on scene first usually because fire departments, you know, there's more of them than there are ambulances typically. So we're usually first on scene and, um, you know, we'd go in the house with our medical equipment and usually I'll start patient care, um, you know, assess them and all that stuff, figure out what's going on and sometimes even get an IV started in there, like whatever we need to do. Um, And then once EMS arrives, I'll give a handoff report and kind of explain what the patient status is um, and then they'll take over and we can continue to assist them and getting the patient to the ambulance and if things are bad and like patients really sick you know I'll hop in the back and usually help out and sometimes we'll have my lieutenant or a firefighter will drive to the hospital um, depending on you know just the needs you know how like you know how sick they are really because that's me riding in the back of the ambulance to the hospital with them doesn't happen super often but You know, if somebody's dying, then, like, having extra hands really, like, you know, helps out a lot from an ambulance perspective because I work on both sides. Right. Um, Being in the back of the ambulance by yourself when someone's dying is not something you want whenever you can avoid it. Um, But so, like, now, instead of, you know, that being the process, the normal process, um, usually we'll arrive on scene. And our guidelines now are while we're in route to the call. We'll usually ask um, the medic unit that's responding with us what their ETA is, and if we're going to arrive on scene and they're not going to be there within ninety seconds, we will go ahead and usually I go in um, or just try and figure out where the patient is and have them come outside if at all possible. Do the assessment there, figure out what's needed outside because it's safer and get a mask on them. If that's not an option, then Getting inside, figure out, you know, are they critical or not? If they're not critical, does anything need to be done acutely, like right now? If the answer is no, then usually I'll tell them, hey, as long as you're okay right now and you're good with it, I'm going to stand out here by the door and we're going to wait on EMS. Um, You know, obviously that's not, that hasn't been the case every single time that, you know, we've gotten a medical call since all this has been going on. You know, there's some of them there's definitely been times where I've had to go into a house and take care of a patient, mm. um, waiting on EMS because they were very, they, you know, they were really sick and needed help then. Um, so it's not always an option to be cautious, but, um, overall as a fire department, we're there to assist EMS. So like we don't have as much equipment. So like us sitting there and kind of waiting on them, isn't that huge of a deal, um, most of the time. Uh, yeah. but we, uh, our protective equipment, too, like every single call that is a medical call now, we wear an N95 and safety glasses and gloves, of course, which we always wear gloves. Um, and that's usually I'll wear that um, at a minimum. And that's if like the patient screens negative, like dispatch, asks certain questions, ask the caller certain questions. Uh, you know, do you have a cough, fever, shortness of breath? Um have you been sick have you traveled things like that and so like that gives them the ability to give us either a patient negative screening undetermined screening screening because they didn't get enough information or positive screening because this person you know has these symptoms or one of these symptoms
0: mm-hmm. so
2: like in the event that I do have to go inside of a house with somebody that is you know sick and they have a positive screening I will throw on a gown or a Tyvek suit, which is like one of those big white hazmat suits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our breathing uh, airs, our SCBA, like what we'd wear in a fire, I put that on. And that's like way higher of protective equipment than what I have to have. But, you know, if I can use it, you know, why not? Might, so. Yeah, might as well. You can never sure. be too safe. safe so. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I've been doing.
1: Well, I'm and, glad to hear yeah. that you guys are definitely taking good precautions and uh i know that that's been one thing that a lot of people the news have been talking about where your emt your firefighters all your public servants your doctors and everything like aren't getting the proper uh, equipment right now so i'm glad to hear yeah. that uh, you guys are definitely able to keep yourself safe while uh, trying to uh, save others and keep others safe too yeah. EMS gets like these really nice
2: respirators, you know, the kind that have like the filters on both sides. Yeah. Like you can use them as many, t- like, I guess not as many times as you want to, but like they last a long time mm-hmm. compared to the N95 you're only supposed to use once. Well, yeah. like they've had those since this pretty much started almost. Um, we've only had the N95s for about half of this whole thing so far. Oh, geez. Um, And we've only had like one issued to us and then safety glasses and gloves um i know like gloves we're like not supposed to put them on unless we know we're gonna have patient contact because there's a glove shortage we're not getting any more n95s that i'm aware of because of the shortage on those we finally got issued those respirators so like there's we have a bag with that one respirator and then like gowns and face shields Mm -hmm. um so if we like drive the ambulance we can put that respirator on now um, but I've just been, that's why I've been using the SCBA, you know, cause there, I didn't think that it was very smart going in with a 95 that I've used for six shifts into this house with a person that likely had, you know, the virus and, yeah. you know, trying to treat them whenever I could use something way better.
1: Well, uh, we're going to kind of change gears here for a second. Um, what is the funniest call that you've been on? Like, cat up a tree, you know, like dog ran away.
2: Unfortunately, I have had a cat in a tree call before. I've never actually gotten. <laughs> no.
1: Have you really? <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I don't know why. Have you ever seen a cat skeleton in a tree? No. No. Okay. Neither have I. And I don't think anyone <laughs> in the whole world has. So I don't understand why people call for that. Um, Luckily, it's only been, I can only think of one time that I've actually gone to someone's house for that. And uh, we didn't even get the cat down. So. Um, we pretty much told them hey set some food down they'll come down eventually um but you know like we i mean we're public service like we're gonna do whatever we're called but like that was just like that cat was in a really weird spot like there wasn't much of a way for us to do that um in that situation um nor should we have even been called to do that but yeah definitely i honestly like i can't Think of like something like super specific on like a funny call. I mean, I'm I I can guarantee I've had them. I just can't really like I guess think of it. Uh, I, yeah, I know that we get a ton of BS calls. Somebody could have just easily drove themselves to the hospital, or someone called in for a fire and it was like not a fire at all.
1: How? All right, so I guess let's do this. Uh, tell the people how they can make the distinction on whether to call the fire department or not? Um,
2: is it an emergency? Like, is someone going to die? Or are you going to lose property? Um, or are you truly concerned that one of those two things is going to happen to somebody You know that you see? Like, I, I don't know. Like, there's definitely, I say BS calls. It's like not the best way to word it, I feel like. That's just kind of like, we say that we probably say it too much. Um, there, there's a lot of when,
0: calls I feel like they could be put out with a household fire extinguisher though, right? Yeah,
2: yeah but that's like not always super advisable. Because um, yeah. like I've seen people that were burnt from you know, trying to put a kitchen fire out and stuff like that. Um So like yeah, there's definitely time. Like, But I, if there's a fire, like yeah call the fire department. Like that's legitimate reason to call. Um But like a non-legitimate reason would be like your stomach's hurting and it's been hurting for five days, and your car's sitting in the driveway, so you call nine (laughs) one one. Like that's a reason not to call nine one one. So like, um, but like people will do that, and then like this other person will you know get shot in the chest and drive themselves to the hospital. So it's like,
1: have you really had a call like that?
2: I've. I mean, I've heard of it. I, I, yeah, I mean, I have been in ERs where people have drove drove themselves in with a gunshot wound. Uh, just, you know, because like EMT school, while I was getting that, that had happened. And then in paramedic school, I've seen it too. Um, then I've seen people get kind of thrown out in front of an ER that had like gunshot wounds all in them. So um, just because, you know, they, they don't want to call 911 because they don't want the cops to come. But it's like, any gunshot wound that comes into the ER, the cops are still going to come. Um, yeah.
0: But. So, Blake, you've said that there's been shifts that you, you know, have, haven't got a call the entire shift. What do you guys do at the station during your downtime to kind of, I mean, because you've got to, you can't just sleep, you know, you've got to stay pretty aware. But like, what do you guys do during your downtime at the station?
2: Obviously, the first part of the day, right when we come on shift, we, you know, spend checking all our equipment, making sure it's all there and it all works. Um, and then we'll eat breakfasts usually. Um, sometimes we do a full meal as a crew. Um, other times we kind of just do our own thing. Uh, we're actually, we actually have policy at our department. Not every department is this way, but it's nice to be a part of one that is. Um, we're required to work out at least one hour every shift. Um, and we're required to train. I believe it's an hour each shift. Um, So every shift we do some type of training, um, whether it's getting outside, pulling hose and flowing water and working on moving hose and stuff like that, or it's working on calling a mayday, you know, if you're a down firefighter or something, or it's medical training, um, or we're just driving around our, um, our zone um, and, you know, Trying to size up houses or go through newly, you know, houses being built, you know, looking at the building construction and learning the layout. Because a lot of, you know, subdivisions are, there's like six different house layouts and that's it for like 50 houses. So if you can go in and look at those six different layouts, you can be pretty confident that, you know, whenever you, yeah, right. So, like, you know, if you get called for a fire there and, it's on the Bravo Charlie corner, which we use that Alpha Bravo Charlie Delta. So that's going from the front of the house is Alpha and then going clockwise, you get your Bravo Charlie Delta sides. So like the back of the house is your your Charlie side. The far right is Delta, you know, so, so, yeah. um, you know, and you know that there's a bedroom because you've been inside this house design on that corner of the house, like, you know, that can sometimes not necessarily change what you do but like
0: you would look there first. you, you can yeah. look there first if you know it's a bedroom versus an office you're more willing you know if someone says that there's someone inside you know right yeah
2: if there's a car in the driveway and nobody outside and you know you know you a bedroom is over there but there's heavy fire throughout the whole building like you can specifically what we call vent inner search um, or veis vent or isolate search so like go break that window, go through the window, shut the door to that room to prevent spread of fire and smoke in that room, and then search it for a victim, because you know it's a bedroom, and that's a high um, risk of having someone in there. Um, And so, like, in situations where fire is really bad, and like, you're limited on time, that's a, you know, a really good option to have. Um, But outside of training, and, like, we eat meals together, a lot of the times, especially dinner, we're, we don't always eat breakfast and lunch together, but like dinner is definitely like, you know, a family time. We cook our meals each shift and, you know, try and sit down and eat together. And we got an EMS crew with us, too. Um, so we got uh, two paramedics that stay at the station as well. and They eat with us. Uh.
1: Yeah, that was actually uh, kind of my next question. Um So, I guess this is a two parter. uh, Is it true that you guys take turns cooking uh, meals for the firehouse, like for everyone? And if that is true, what meal is your go to to make for everyone?
2: I would say my lieutenant and engineer definitely do most of the cooking because they're like, they can cook really well. Mm -hmm. Me and the other firefighter that works with me, we're both 21 and not the best cooks in the world, but (laughs) I mean, we've, definitely gotten better like if it's on a grill i'm pretty you know i can do that for sure like a steak hamburger salmon whatever it is like throw it on a grill and i'm good like that's what i'll cook and then you know like baked vegetables or something like that uh but i would say like my go-to meal if i was gonna cook something it'd be either like steak and sweet potato or salmon something like that i know i know uh Michael, you would said something about, like, we can't sleep. We we actually do sleep, but it's usually at night. So, okay. like, you know, we'll eat dinner, do chores around the station, and, uh, you know, we all go to bed at a different time. Uh, and then, obviously, it depends on if we get a call. But I'd say usually between 9 p.m. and midnight, we're all in bed. Gotcha. But, you know, there's – typically, when the earlier I go to bed, the more calls we run at night, so –
0: Try to stay up. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's like, it's kind of like pointless. It's like, I'll stay up and not sleep. And then we won't run any calls at all. But when I go to bed at 9am, because I have a shift the next day on the ambulance or something, like we'll run six calls from like 10pm to 5am. And you're like, what the hell? So yeah, it doesn't really matter whenever I go to bed,
0: usually. Let's see here. We've got just a couple more questions for you. um, And then we're going to not keep you too long let's see do you guys have i know this is dumb and reading it i'm i don't know if it's going to be true or not but do you guys have like um a station dog or like is that common
2: i really wish we did and in fact i've talked about it before i think it would be really good I, i'm 90 percent sure that there are like departments that allow that um especially because you know I, it's really good for stress management you think if you have a dog around the station like yeah i mean Like, I I really bet if you come back from a really bad call and, you know, not every call we go on is bad. In fact, I'd say probably 10 percent of them are like legitimate, stressful calls, you know, where there's a fatality or um, kid dies or, you know, someone, you know, dies, whatever it may be like. It's probably about 10 percent. But like when they do happen, like they're stressful for sure. And uh, I think having a dog would be super awesome and would be valuable but unfortunately our department doesn't have it um which they did but uh we do have i guess like a mascot what you could consider a mascot like we have like station we just created a station patch for our company so like we have an engine three patch um and that just kind of like is a camaraderie and pride thing that we kind of did and i think all of our other stations have one as well now too you know, just cause like each company, like things are the best company, but like engine three is the best company. Yeah. So like that's, we, we do stuff like that for sure. Um, Just take pride in being with the crew that you're on.
0: Gotcha. So one more, one more serious question. Then we've got a couple funny questions for you. Do you have a favorite seat on the app- apparatus? I
2: don't guess I used to, but I do now. Like, so I don't know if either of you have ever been on a, uh, engine or even know the difference between like engine truck and rescue so and i'm sure there's plenty of people listening that also do not have any clue what any of those are so like an engine company is you know we have we're the ones that are usually in charge putting the fire out like we stretch the hose line go in put the fire out truck company is like they go in they tear stuff up break windows do search things like that um, Got you. rescue company they're like they're um they'll do search sometimes or they that's uh, your
0: ladder that's your ladder truck usually, right the ladder truck is
2: like the truck company okay. okay so yeah whenever you see them with the big aerial those are your truck companies um, gotcha. and the rescue are usually like the big pieces of equipment they'll say like heavy rescue on it or something like that they yeah. do like your your rope rescues swift water uh hazmat stuff um they'll do search and rescue on a fire sometimes. And uh, also a lot of times on fires too, they'll they'll be like, they'll kind of stand by in case a firefighter goes down or someone needs assistance in getting someone out. But the only reason I kind of like elaborated on that was because like on an engine, what I ride, you have a driver, the officer who sits up front next to the driver. And then behind them is where the firefighters ride. And so the two seats that, are closest to the doors in the back, um, they face backwards. And um, that's where me and my partner sit. We sit in those rear-facing seats. So we're looking backwards as we're driving. Um, And I always sit on the driver's side. So I guess that's my favorite side, but not like a huge deal if I don't. But like I've definitely gotten to where if I can ride there, that's where I'm riding. Um, And every shift that I ride, that's pretty much where I'm at.
1: Uh, definitely
2: on our rescue which i've never rode the rescue in our department but there's actually like a walk-in back. so like there's two there's a bench seat in there and you know they can get dressed for like certain rescue things in the back of there and like i don't know it's kind of hard to explain but um it's like a cab with tools in it and everything um so it's a little bit different than like your normal apparatus truck and like ladder company are set up the same way my engine is
1: yeah so i think we got uh just two more questions for you blake um so if you won the lottery would you show up for work the next day
2: 100 percent.
1: i i knew you were gonna say that you have <laughs> that mentality i know you love doing what you do too so i i kind of already knew the answer to that but i figured i'd ask it anyway I just
2: have a lot of cool stuff.
1: So, <laughs> I know uh, you want to pimp out uh, your truck one day, right? Yeah, I
2: got, I I call it a squirrel mobile. So <laughs> it's got like, just like the, the smallest emergency light possible on the top of it. And yeah, it's got a super nice siren though. Like I bought out on the siren. Um, yeah,
1: I but, was there like the day after you got it. Yeah, I remember. So, that's loud as a motherfucker.
2: But like, you know, that's for the volunteer world so like whenever i'm off shift sometimes i will still run calls um in a volunteer district that's like 10 minutes five minutes from me Mm -hmm. so like that's when i use that but yeah if i had if i had like just a crap ton of money right now for sure i'd have like a you'd think that the feds are driving by
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right so last question we got for you uh do you believe that pineapples go on pizza and is this a discussion that you guys have in the fire hall
2: uh i do love pineapple on pizza papa john's is my favorite place to order pizza usually if i'm gonna order like have it delivered so i get pineapple and like grilled chicken that's like what i like to get and then their cheese sauce is money but it seems like nobody ever uses that which blows my mind (laughs) so if you haven't do that and like I don't really honestly think I've ever had that conversation at the fire hall, but I do know that that's like a legitimate conversation that probably needs to be had. So Uh,
1: yeah, it needs to be had. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on the pod, Blake. Um, You got any social medias you want to shout out uh, so people can go and thank you. uh, Thank you for, uh, you know, serving everyone.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've got Instagram. That's like, really the only thing i ever kind of post something on that facebook too but like that's just mainly because of work there's a lot of good yeah. training stuff on that but like my instagram is uh blake underscore gay zero two one
1: so no, there you got go give go the boy follow, a follow man. yeah go give the boy a follow
0: definitely blake <laughs> thank you so much for going on thank you so much for what you're doing right now man keep it up
1: yeah man thanks that, for
0: everything i appreciate
1: it i
2: thank y'all it was Fun to be on here, and I look forward to listening to it later on and see what kind of views you'll get from it. So,
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you to everyone who listened to the great episode of Blake Gay. As always, uh, Wednesday and Friday are when our episodes are coming out. Uh, be sure to subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Rate 5 Stars, and hit that follow button if you're on Spotify. Uh, we're also on Facebook at Mostly Sober Thoughts, Twitter at Mostly Sober Pod and Instagram at Mostly Sober Thoughts Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one.